Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Amparts Domestics Microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks. Snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. It is Memorial Day weekend. So stock up now. Okay? You want to be ready. Come on. Lots of beverages. I mean, you probably need the beverages now, knowing the rain of the day is coming up. <laughs> stock up. In fact, stock up for all the rants, a week's worth of rants. Yeah. And we're in the Subway Motor Studio. Subway Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Subway Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, this does go to the Yankee game last night. I don't know if you saw oh, Aaron Boone got for ejected goodness again. Sakes. You know, after a while, after a while, you, when you've been tossed four times, maybe you're the problem. <laughs> Well, I do think there was fault on both sides. Here's the fault. Here's where I put it on Boone. Is, once again, you know, not that I'm saying this is right because it's wrong on the umpire's part, but you know they're not going to tolerate you arguing balls and strikes. And you've already been tossed about it before. I get the calls were egregious last night. I would have been the same way. But you have to know where your limits are. And stop putting your team in that spot. You're, the 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 objective is to stay in the game and manage the game well, not get thrown out like every four days. They got two of their three hits after you left. I don't think they need him. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. Maybe he can't mismanage the bullpen or whatever else, but that's another topic. So that's one. But then the umpires here, they, they really, really need to get a hold of themselves with this, having this, Non, this nonsensical, oh, we're not going to listen to it because it's about balls and strikes. We're not going to listen to anybody complain about that because You're it's not balls so, and strikes. To be honest with you, that's a, you are not supposed to be complaining about balls and strikes. Okay? that That's not something new. I know that, okay? but I'm also I saying mean, a bad I mean, call is a bad call, and you should own it if you made a bad call. Those were bad calls last night on Clark Schmidt. Oh, for goodness sakes. Clark Schmidt's not a good pitcher. You know he's Yeah, he's not a good pitcher, but when he actually throws a good pitch, I want it to be a strike and not a ball. If you I'm sorry, if you make a bad call, 
you need to own it and don't take it out on the umpire on your on the managers who are just trying to fight for their team to make sure that you're calling the game correctly and you're guess what doing your job how about that for a change do your job correctly during the course of the week how many mistakes does boone make versus how many mistakes does the home plate umpire make that's a fair point. Like I said, I, there, there's I mean, there's a case that, here for both sides that I'm giving it, it, here. There's fault in both that's, sides. That's why I talk about this all the time. I am not a big one complaining about officials on the broadcast because I know that during the course of the game, players will make mistakes, umpire uh, officials will make mistakes, coaches will make mistakes, broadcasters will make mistakes. Right? You try to minimize it as much as possible. I mean, do you think those guys are sitting there and they're like, oh, ah, who cares? Who cares? No, they get evaluated and graded every game. No, I, do, I get that. They do, they do not want to go back to the clubhouse and say, okay, let's check this out. Here are 12 of them tonight that weren't right. Like, oh, great. Can't wait. This will be a lot of fun. And they sit in there for who knows how long before they get to go back to the hotel. I think, I think most people just think they have a couple of beverages, laugh about the game, and then and go to the hotel. Uh, no, they're getting these guys are getting evaluated like all the time. It's not just like at the end of a month. Hey, how'd it go, Bob? Oh, yeah, Bob, you, you missed a dozen calls this month. Okay, let's in. No, that's with today with video. They'll show it to them right away. That's. I mean, these guys don't want to be doing this. I mean, they don't want to be a, you know. And I realize there's competition. You know, Boone Boone has a, a, a highly overrated team. I got it. You know, I mean, you can't have all your games against the A's and the Reds. You know, and at home. <laughs> I'll give you that. So yeah, I, I gave fault to both sides here. I mean, Boone should know yeah. better. Umps need to get a grip. I, I think. Um, I mean, the reason that we are currently in this problem with um, pitch clocks and things like that is because the um, umpires got too loose, let them walk around, let pitchers. I mean, there was a Red Sox reliever last year. They're facing the Yankees. He went 36 seconds between pitches. 36. Come on. Right, and the rule was the rules already the rule was already there. The difference is now they've got this hard and fast of nobody on base versus somebody on base, but the rule's already there. Act like it's a new rule. It's not a new rule. There's a there's addendums to it, but you know, in terms of balls and strikes, some guys are better better at it than other guys. I mean. How many guys did Schmidt walk last night? I have to go back and look, but I'm sure it was a few. And this was actually one of his better starts last night, which is sad. I mean, but you think you can't have the? I mean, if the same guy's getting tossed out all the time, and it is the same guy. Excuse me, the world is not against you, Aaron. Okay, no offense, you gotta. You know, there's certain things that you have to do to help your team out. That isn't one of them. He actually only had two walks last night. Yeah, last night was one of his better outings. Five innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, four Ks. Well, the ball and strike thing couldn't have been that bad. 
I didn't watch it, so I don't know. Well, like I said, both sides are at fault, but there you go. And that's pretty much what I had because that was kind of a light night last night. No, I thought you complained about the Celtics or something. I mean, yeah, it's nauseating to see them start to begin to get begin to have hope again, but you know, it is what it is. Man, I thought that would be the one that would send you over the edge. If they win game six, you're going to be beside yourself. Well, I, I think either way, the Nuggets are going to roast whoever they play anyway. So, Well, the Nuggets are going to be a team that when they get in there, they're going to um, be a well-rested group. And it's a good and, and, and they're good. You know, Porter's really good. I thought Calvin did a great job of picking up Brown before the deadline. Um, you know what I, I've what have I said about Jamal Murray over and over again? I mean, I've been saying all season Jamal Murray is the difference in that team because last year he couldn't, you know, he was not able to play. He, and they didn't have much of a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I stayed away from this is what real MVPs do. I mean, yeah, I don't want to. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! No? Not what you wanted to hear? Um, yeah, not great, but, you know. <laughs> Just kidding you. Just kidding you. Gotta have some fun in life, man. You need to have some fun. I'm trying to encourage you to have fun. You walk in every day, and you know your blood pressure is uh, 201 over 140. It's a little high. <laughs> I'm working on it. It's a little high. I'm just telling you. It's just, you know, I'm no doctor, but it's a little high. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Yeah, the Orioles took two out of three for me, huh? Yeah, not ideal. Hmm. Who do you have this weekend? It's a good question. Uh... I would tell you, but I can't muster up enough to care, but tell me. Oh, San Diego in the Bronx. Oh well, like that part I assumed. <laughs> everybody yeah. else is everybody else is making West Coast swings, and you're over here going, "Hey, it's really it's sunny here. Come on, join us. It'll be great." Yeah, Padres. Great. And then they go out west to the Mariners next week. So it's not a nine game trip, though, is it? I. Actually, I think it, oh yes, it is because then they go to the Angels after the yeah. So there will be a West Coast trip next week. Yeah, that's six. Is there a third one? Uh, oh no, it's the Dodgers. I'm sorry, it's the Dodgers. It's the Mariners and the Dodgers next weekend. Oh, the, wow, boy, the back half. They have, this might be the first legitimate team they've played outside of Tampa Bay. This is great. And then they're back home to face the White Sox. Uh, that's right. The Orioles are ahead of them in the standings, and the Orioles took two out of three. They're, they're legit. Then they're back home again. So teams make nine-game swings. You get six. Nice. I guess that's how it's been so far, yeah. M must be good for you. 
Wow, that's great. No, this isn't good now because then it's going to backload on them in the second half of the season. I've said that already. I'm telling you right now, they are not playing 81 and 81. The Yankees are playing 100 at home, 42 in the road. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows. Right? Don't you think? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! The Orioles are home with the Rangers, Padres, Yankees. Who's pitching for your esteemed El Broncos tonight? Oh, Randy Vasquez. First start against Joe Musgrove. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Musgrove's really struggled this year. So this is the major league debut for Vasquez. 24 years of age. Um... First signed with the Yankees in 2018 when he was 19 years old. He had mixed results at AAA Scranton this season, uh, being heckled by some guy behind the dugout. Hmm. Who might that be? Uh, 4.85 ERA, 42 and a th- two-thirds. But this past four starts, he's been good 2.14. Yankees currently down a pitcher with Domingo Herman in the middle of a 10-game suspension for cheating his brains out. Hmm. I wouldn't have phrased it that way, but okay. No, but that's accurate. Hmm. Hope he's able to get himself up from his chair while sitting at home. Oh, so cruel. Orioles are playing 600 ball. So another team ahead of the Yankees in the standings, beating them at their own game. There we go. All right. So let's mention the Phillies here for a moment since they are the hometown team. You don't mind, do you? Not at all, but they stink too right now. Oh, when's the last time the Yankees were in the World Series? Uh, the last time they won the World Series, they beat the Phillies. Yeah. The last time they were in was 2009. Phillies were in the World Series last year. Hmm. Interesting. Um, should be pointed out. I mean, and here's the other part. You know what the Yankee payroll is? $279 million. You know what the Orioles payroll is? 63 Hmm. Who's running your operation, man? Yeah, good point. I mean, think about that. I mean, $279 million. Yikes. Yeah, Phillies I hear you. Phillies and Braves tonight. Braves have been good. Five-game. Phillies aim to stop five-game road skid. That's what happens when you go on the road, Matt. There's a possibility you're going to lose some games. Oh, my and tonight they've got uh, Taiwan Walker. He's got a five seven nine, and Jared Schuster goes for the Braves tonight. I mean, they got to get Schwarber going. Schwarber's got twelve home runs, but he's only hitting one seventy two. I mean, you got to get him going. I mean, Boehm has driven in thirty seven runs. He leads the team. At least he's hitting two sixty nine. If they can get Schwarber to two sixty nine. Imagine what those numbers are like. You know, and obviously they've got guys that are out. Alvarado's out, Hall's out, Painter's out. So 
So I mean, they've got guys that are out. I mean, you just have guys who are suspended. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll come back with why were they suspended? Oh, sorry. Just asking for a friend. Injury list. One guy. You have one guy in the injury list, and this is what you're doing? God, you take out the seven games against the uh, Reds and the uh, and the A's, you're 23 and 22. All right, uh, we'll come back. You have a 500 team. Got a manager getting tossed out every other inning. Wow. Hmm. It's a big problem. You okay? For now, yeah. Well, you don't seem happy. It's a beautiful day out. Matt, what a beautiful weekend coming up. You should be excited, energized. <laughs> uh, I am, yes, because I am going to my parents' boat this weekend, so that'll be nice. Boy, you need to, you need to relax. It's going to be 70, 72 today. It's going to be 76 tomorrow, 76 Sunday, 79 Monday. And you're going to come back on Tuesday and go, I want a bad weekend. This guy's a dope. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> All right. We'll come back. John Sauber in a minute as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory trained techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. John Sauber, in the next half hour, uh, the word Yankees will not be brought up. This is my way of attempting to keep the audience engaged. Well, John Sauber's an all-Philly sports fan, so. But I, I'm doing everything I can to keep the audience. There's some guy <laughs> driving right now on Route 61 going, oh, God, another Yankee rant. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
Rockies free half hour. Feel like I work at WFAN. Uh, uh, today's show brought to you by. <laughs> today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle bar, lever the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none. Memorial Day weekend. Stock up now at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. At least he's a Phillies fan. John, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's always great to hear you, my friend. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite the uh, few weeks as a Philly sports fan, and that I've mostly been hiding in my basement. Yeah, you know, I understand that completely. And uh, you know, and say you're a Philly fan in most sports, you know, and, and a Yankee fan in the other one. Imagine what that person's doing. All right, so. Uh... <laughs> I mean, local authorities are wondering. All right. Uh, so this is it's an interesting play as to what we have right now between football and basketball. This is supposed to be the quiet time of the year. It is anything but. Uh, so I want to, I'll at least start with basketball. We'll find out in the end what Mike has done. With with this team, but what do you think of the effort that has been put in to craft this roster? Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Um, I kind of thought at first that this would uh, look a lot like Mike's rosters at VCU, right? Long, athletic, fast, running up and down the court on offense, being aggressive on defense, and there, there is, you know, of course, pieces like that. Um, but I think, and after talking to a few people in the program, I'm, I'm a little bit less surprised by this, but. There seems to be more shooting, more skill offensively than maybe I had anticipated, uh, and an effort to maybe, uh, and I think we had talked about this before, one of the last times I was on uh, to talk about Penn State basketball, uh, but it seems like there's an effort now to be more modern offensively, you know, not not necessarily just be trying to grind down and win the possession game and, and score in transition. There seems to be an effort to, you know, win the uh, the efficiency battle, if you will, right? Scoring from beyond the arc, getting to the rim, um, and it is a, you know, there's still one spot left, and, and that will that could potentially change things. But right now, it looks like a relatively good roster, I think, compared to what I expected. Um, I, I don't know that that means, like, that they're an NCAA tournament team in year one or anything like that. But I think this is a team that can be competitive, and a lot of that is because, and you mentioned the effort, because they went out and got guys that maybe you wouldn't think Penn State would have a chance with, and turns out they ended up landing them. Yeah, I think what they've done in an interesting way is they've balanced the roster. For example, Kudus Wahab is a veteran that plays center. Uh, and then Favor Ira comes in from Miami, and he's he's a center that you know, you know is going to get minutes, but they're balanced by one being a veteran, one being a sophomore. Yeah, and I, I think that bringing that youth in was always going to be crucial here, and I think that that's one thing they've done a really good job getting guys that have multiple years of eligibility. Uh, Ira is a really good example of that, someone that could come in and, you know, learn for a year under Wahab and then potentially take over as a starter next year. You know, and then you have the guys 
that are coming back, right? Like Kanye Clary and Jamil Brown, I think those two are going to be really important this year. Um, yeah. And keeping them, and I think Brown, more than anyone, has a really good chance to take a take another step forward. You mentioned the youth. Like, early on, I think it's going to be on him and, and Clary to make up that youth on the roster of the main contributors. They're going to be asked to do more probably than – and other young guys on the roster because they've been here because I think we've seen that they can both play at this level a little more with with Clary of course last year uh, but I've heard good things about Jamil and I think there's a chance that you know those two end up being major major pieces more so than almost any other transfer they brought in yeah good no Jamil as somebody who watched I don't know how many practices I saw Jamil last year he Johnny can play yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, he can play. He, he's a good shooter. He has length, and I think he's going to fit in with what they want. Now, they do get a plus out of this because it is you're allowed to do a foreign trip every four years. Micah uh, and the administration had put Penn State into this Bahamas tournament, uh, and so Mike is going to be the beneficiary of it. Uh, how important do you think is that just to build some camaraderie with the team and for them to get a feel for their players? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we might not learn a lot on the outside about what it ends up meaning. It might be something that gets brought up, in, you know, maybe next March when, when they're talking publicly. But I do think it's going to be crucial, like you mentioned, in, in the camaraderie aspect and getting to know each other and, if things do go well this year, I think that will be the pivot point that, you know, everyone on the team, everyone on the roster can kind of point to uh, and say, you know, this trip really forced us to get to know each other, put us in a position where we got to be around each other so we may as well learn to get along and, and learn to play with each other. And I think when you when you have that kind of trip, because I believe it's six days long, you, you have no say in that, right? You can't just go and hang out with your friends otherwise, right? You're stuck with these guys. These are your people that you know down there. So uh, I think this is an excellent opportunity. You know, it's a good chance to, uh, for, for Rhodes also to kind of implement his culture. He'll have Ace Baldwin, of course, and, and Nick Kern to drive that. But, like, right. they, they need everyone else to buy in. And so this trip is a good chance to get everybody to buy in. Uh, on the football front, the uh, two night games are in. The whiteout game with Iowa on the 23rd at 8 on CBS. The West Virginia opener 7.30 on NBC. But then the one at the tail end. It's right there in the contract that NBC has to have a Labor Day Sunday game and a Black Friday primetime game. Well, it's not only going to be Penn State, Michigan State, but but the move to Ford Field, what were your thoughts about that? I think this probably benefits Penn State. Uh, I know it was and, and has been and when Pete Damo initially reported it was a concession that Penn State made. To me, it kind of feels like a concession that Michigan State would have to make, right? Because yeah. It's not a home game for them anymore. Uh, there's no, like, weather advantage or anything like that. Like, it's going to be in a dome, uh, a dome that I'm very excited to go to, by the way. I think I think every time one of these gets announced, I'm the only person that uh, enjoys that it's a night game because I like writing at night and I thrive in those mm-hmm. scenarios. So I think I'm the only beat writer that actually likes when they're not noon kicks. Uh, but I think this is this is kind of a win for Penn State. It's, I know it's a short week, but it's a short week for Michigan State, too. So there's... Uh, no competitive advantage there for either end unless like you know someone's coming off an injury and you need those 24 hours or whatever Uh, but I think at the end of the day this is going to be a closer to even crowd than it would have been had it been in East Lansing Uh, the weather's not going to be a factor that should help which should be a really good offense for Penn State and of course a really good defense too Uh, and you know at the end of the day like this this feels like more of an advantage for them than, than for Michigan State. And the other element, too, that that happens to be fall break. There are no classes for Penn State that week. So, right. I mean, it's, it, it, that does not hurt the cause. 
uh, in that regard. And obviously the week after, I mean, with the regular season over, they'll have to get back to work uh, in the classroom. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those those are a lot of pluses. You, uh, How much are you inundated either by comments or by people asking you questions about realignment and other schools joining other conferences? Yeah, it's one of those things that always – it, like the conversation of college football always seems to lead there, right? Like it doesn't feel like a place a conversation starts, but it always feels like we're at, like sooner rather than later. It's like the second phase of the conversation, right? Like it's always about realignment and what comes next. Uh, I am fascinated by it, um, especially, you know, we're seeing, uh, we're going to see it really put into motion after this year, what that's actually going to look like. But yeah, I think, and for good reason, it's, it's going to start dominating uh, the conversation because uh, I am of the belief that, you know, this is, it doesn't end here, right? Like USC and UCLA and Oklahoma and Texas and everything. Like this is, this feels like the first major move, not the last major move in this phase of realignment. Where does it end? I don't know. I, I don't think anyone really knows right now, especially with what's going on with the Pac-12 and the ACC. But I do think that there is more to come. Uh, I would be surprised if there isn't just based on, you know, not based on any inside information, more so the, you know, the, the natural cycle of these types of things. So, you know, maybe it's the four super conferences of 64 teams. Maybe it's, you know, two massive conferences of the Big Ten SEC. I have no idea. But I think I do think, like, there is more to come down the road. Because right now you feel like the Pac-12 is in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it would be a, like it, it's one of those things where the more you read about it and the more you hear about it, the more you talk to people about it, the more you think that if there's any conference in danger, it's the Pac-12. Uh, now, again, I'm not going to pretend to know that that's the case or anything like that, but I do think like that. If, if you read the tea leaves, it seems like that's where it's headed. And you know, when that ends up happening, that feels like the next major ripple because that's a lot of really good teams. You know, maybe a lack of elite teams, although I do think Washington and Oregon are potentially elite programs and have been really, really good recently. Uh, but I do think there is uh, some some branches to shake, if you would, uh, you know, when it comes to shaking those teams loose. Interesting. Uh, see, I go by value. And if each school is going to get $75 million per school, let's just use those as round numbers. Did Washington and Oregon bring $75 million of value per school into the conference? I don't know. Uh, I, I that's the it's tough to. I think that's an excellent point, right? Like when when you look at the the brand, so to speak, of everything, uh, it's just tough to say with um, unless you get inside those negotiations, right? Like how much does uh, ESPN or CBS or NBC or, or a company like that value those schools? I think they would value them more if they won, you know, at the highest highest level, right? Like if one of those teams makes the Final Four and, and wins a national title, like Washington has obviously been there, but like. If they were to win a national title, I think that could change that valuation. Uh, but I think on some level, you're right, right? Like, it's, at this point, I think of any of the schools available outside of the SEC and the Big Ten, there aren't a ton. I mean, Notre Dame is the obvious, obvious one. Uh, yeah. But outside of that, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find a school that it's like, yes, this is absolutely worth it. And that's why, you know, Notre Dame is the school that everyone always talks about with the Big Ten. Right. See, I mean, I know it, it's an easy topic to talk about. I mean, it, it really is. Um, it, and I, when I look at it, it's when I see Texas and Oklahoma still not playing in the SEC, that tells me a lot about what's going on. Right? Yep. In other words, they are still not in. So when people talk about grant of rights 
like it's some easy thing to get out of and we'll sue and so forth. Why are they still playing in the Big 12 this year? It's been two years since they announced. Right, and I think that was the the point of contention that everyone had at the beginning, right? Like, it was, oh, yeah, it'll be, you know, they, they say it'll be until year X, but it'll actually be sooner because it always gets worked out. I'm with you. It, it doesn't, right? Like, there's, those things are not easy to get out of, especially when the conference, like the Big 12, was firm, which is why I think the ACC situation is interesting, especially with the, you know, uh, reported conversations about, you know, looking into the grant of rights and everything and how they can get out of it because that's at the end of the day how a conference falls apart right like it's when the grant of rights gets broken and it's allowed to be broken then other schools see a way out and then all of a sudden the conference doesn't exist anymore so yeah i I, i'm with you i I think it's not as easy as it sounds um and that's why like when these things are announced the way they are right when it's two years in advance three years in advance it makes for some uh mildly humorous awkwardness right like like texas and oklahoma are going to be booed a lot right until they end up in sec same with ucla and usc uh, just kind of the nature of the beast at this point and uh, i'm kind of surprised on some level that that they didn't manage to get out sooner but also i'm not because like you said it's, it's just a difficult thing to do it is difficult and that's i mean you notice that usc and ucla are not official members until august 2nd next year not not july 1 august 2nd because the grant of rights runs out august 1 they don't want to violate it uh the transfers for football are are all in now. Now, there may be somebody else that gets added here. I mean, this is just the nature of the business, uh, the way it goes these days. John, what did you think just on paper of the additions they had? Cephas, Potts, Ford, guys like that. Yeah, I really like the, the first two you mentioned especially. Uh, I think Potts is going to be important because you kind of just need a third back, right? Like, you need someone that you can trust that will go in and you know, uh, Katron Allen or Nick Singleton kind of needs a break, and, and you need a third guy to be able to rotate in to keep him fresh. Um, which, so, so I think, like, I don't know that he's going to be, like, a game-breaker or anything like that. Like, I don't think the upside is necessarily there, but I think that solidifies a running back rotation that now should be, you know, top five in the country, if not top one, essentially, right? Like, I, I think right. they, they might be the best running back room in the country. Um, Cephas is the one that uh, people will pay attention to, and I think rightfully so, because I think the wide receiver room is going to dictate a lot this year. Um, I think it's going to dictate just how good this offense can be, and I think this offense is going to dictate how good this team can be. Uh, And if Cephas can come in and be a true number one, I think that is a very positive sign. He doesn't seem like the, you know, necessarily the explosive athlete of a lot of number one receivers and, and, and years past at Penn State, but I do think he's a good refined route runner. Uh, who has a, you know, he's there's a slipperiness to him in the open field. Uh, I think he's a really good wide receiver. I think there's a chance that he's just a really good number two, but I also think there's the upside for him to be a true number one and kind of figuring out how he fits into that offense here in the next couple months until they face West Virginia is going to be crucial, crucial and even early in the season, uh, seeing how he fits with Drew Aller and how the kind of uh, communication is there and the, if the, those guys are synced up or not. So I, I think they did a good job of plugging gaps, I think Cephas is going to be the one that kind of dictates yeah. more than any of what this season can be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I'm totally with you on that, John. I think that I thought Amari Evans gave a great account of himself in the spring. Knowing that Cephas is there, now you feel like they have four, and then can they add three others to that, which they have the capability of doing. I, yeah, I'm with you. I thought that was the big one right there. All right. I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. No need to hide out from anybody. It's still early in the season. 
listen, you can say that all you want. I will be panicking about the Phillies until probably late September, like always. Yeah, I work with a guy like, you know, some guy gets a hangnail in the Yankees. We got to deal for an hour and a half in the show, and then the, then we get then we get thirty minutes of real sports. So, so. John, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You know, I'm I'm accurate on that. Yeah. Yes, you are, actually, for both of us. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't let a hangnail get in the way. Oh, jeez, go ahead. <laughs> okay, enough's enough. <laughs> Just stupid. <laughs> and I don't like stupid. That's right. I can't tolerate stupid. You got a three-year-old and a, almost a two-year-old. I mean, you got to tolerate some stuff that that, that don't make sense. <laughs> In that end, I'm learning, and I've been learning. <laughs> like, hey, because yeah. they'll do some stuff. We sit back, and go, oh no, really? <laughs> oh, Luke, don't touch the anchor. Don't touch the anchor. <laughs> You know I'm right. Very similar conversations, yes. <laughs> uh, Mark, Luke hit me with the anchor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep, very similar. Meanwhile, I don't tolerate stupid. What do you call that? <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK, okay? <laughs> So here's the umpire's scorecard from last night's game from Edwin Morosco. Okay, he was the umpire last night, right? Overall accuracy. What do you think his overall accuracy was? I'll say like 88%. 92%. Okay. Consistency, 92%. League average, 94%. Uh, missed calls. Let's see. Uh, called ball accuracy was 93%. 97% is the league average. Eight of the 116 called balls were true strikes. Eight of the 116. Four of the 42 called strikes were true balls. Yep. Uh, most impactful missed calls. Top of the first, Schmidt to Henderson. Two outs, runners on first and second, 2-2 two, two counts. Strike is called a ball. Okay. Top of the second, Schmidt to McKenna. One out, base is empty. 3-2 count. Ball is called a strike. Hmm. Sounds like Schmidt got a good call there. Top of the first, Schmidt to Henderson. Two outs, runners on first and second, one, two counts. Strike is called a ball. But again, of the 116 called balls, eight of them were strikes. 
of the 42 called strikes, four of them were, were, were actually balls. His called strike accuracy was 90% last night. 90% called strike accuracy. League average, 88%. It was actually higher than the league average. Hmm. Is this, what, the 42nd time that Boone's been thrown out this year? It is, uh, overall, it's this 35th time. Jeez. It's probably the guy that goes in with the pep talk and says, I want you to play with poise. Oh, jeez. That explains his lineups and some pitching changes he makes. You know, it's interesting. Every time I've talked to him, he speaks highly of you. <laughs> I liked him on ESPN. Sounds like that's where you want him. <laughs> 